it's my belief that we have to let the first spark of creativity live free. And when I say live free, what I mean is to not edit it. Welcome to A Congruent Life, where we share inspirational stories of authenticity and happiness. A Congruent Life is an interview project sharing the stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things, discovering their passions, and living authentic, amazing lives. Here's your host, Andy Gray. Hello, everyone. My name is Andy Gray, and I'd like to welcome you to episode 57 of A Congruent Life. On this show, we share conversations with some pretty inspiring people about authenticity and reinvention. This summer at the World Domination Summit in Portland, one couldn't help but notice a tall man in conspicuous clothing who was carrying a long net with a hand-lettered word, poem catcher. We spent some time chatting with him on the street, and I'm now glad to welcome Andrew Newman to A Congruent Life. Here's our conversation. I'm talking today to Andrew Newman, who also goes by the title Poem Catcher. Andrew, welcome to A Congruent Life. Thanks, Andy. A great pleasure to be here. Thanks. I'm glad to have you. Our paths crossed, as often seems to happen, at the World Domination Summit. <laughs> you were pretty hard to miss around the World Domination Summit this year. Why did you stand out so much? Andy, I'm not sure. Was it because I was holding an, an eight-foot-high butterfly catching net, or was it because I had my underwear on the outside and my superhero costume on? Well, you could probably pick either, but uh, certainly that eight-foot net helped you tower above the crowd. It did. So, Andrew, tell us a little bit about you and, and what you're up to in the world. Well, as you say, the Poem Catcher is a project of mine that has a lot of vitality and a bit of quirkiness to it. Uh, I was delighted to get the opportunity to present on the main stage at the World Domination Summit. It's a project that uh, I started when I sat down on a pavement in Scotland, a cold Scottish sidewalk, to beg for poetry for the people of Haiti. I had no idea that those poems were going to uh, become a collection in a book and that that book, in fact, would start selling before it was even finished being made. Uh, it is a book called Quake, Built from Nothing. And I figured that if Haiti had nothing, at the time I was broke and I had nothing, but I wanted to do something that something could be done for Haiti from nothing. And uh, I proved myself uh, right in that in that strange way that uh, by asking people to write poems, I created a book. The book sold. The uh, proceeds uh, raised uh, several thousand dollars for people in Haiti. And this little vortex or whirlwind of the poem catcher got birthed. So what brought you to this process of saying, hey, poetry is the way that I can be of service to Haiti? Andy, somewhere along the line, I realized that I had a, a poetic soul. It has become my my passion and my interest to to write poetry more than to read poetry. And I also have this a, a, a great enthusiasm for meeting and engaging with people and doing it in a, in a spontaneous way. And this 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 creative spark of mine emerged over the last 
10 years, I started doing personal development work and and got some uh, reflections from uh, uh, communities that actually I was a very creative person. And uh, as I learned this about myself, I, I, I began to see creativity more in other people and to really enjoy uh, inviting and invoking other people to uh, to to practice their own creativity. Let's talk a, of your story. Can you introduce us to your life and and what you grew up doing, and maybe uh, some of the twists and turns that you've taken along the way? Absolutely. I grew up in Cape Town, South Africa, uh, in the final years of apartheid. I would have finished high school and faced a, a military conscription for the, the, the outgoing uh, apartheid regime and uh, opted, opted to avoid that and went uh, to university instead. And I grew up in a family of, of retail jewelers. My parents were third generation jewelers and I was fourth generation jewelers running a very established successful business in uh, the city of Cape Town. I spent my time in that store, uh, both as a, a, a young teenager helping out and then in my 20s working there. But I, I grew to realize that it, it wasn't for me and that, uh, as with many family businesses, the dynamics of working with father and son were, were not straightforward and uh, not the most uh, nurturing for, you know, for, who, for who I am in the world. Uh, so I I opted out and I, I left the uh, the business after four or five years and stepped into what was really a very big void and an unknown for me at the age of about 28 because so much of my life had been uh, about that business and I did what uh, what I thoroughly enjoy and that is I travelled at that time and as I travelled I got exposed to and curious in coincidence, uh, synchronicity, and um, the movement of energy for healing. And I, I had this sort of spiritual uh, inquiry that blossomed uh, in, my, in my late 20s. And uh, that's, in a way, absorbed me over the last 10 years. I've, I've loved it. I've, I've dug dug into my own psychology, I've looked into uh, group behavior, I've done men's work, I've been working with patients in coma, I've looked at animal communication, a, really a very uh, broad range of things in, in the field of subtle communication. As I said, that's, that's the period where I started to, to realize, hold on, I'm, I'm a creative chap and I love the actual act of of uh, making things, whether it's woodwork or whether it's poetry. Yeah, there's a couple of interesting pieces in there. Let's talk a little bit about not continuing in the family line. You know, I'm, I'm sure that expectations were great having such a long-standing business, successful business, and there must have been a lot of pressure on you to continue on doing what your family expected. Yes, in my instance, it wasn't really a, a verbal spoken expectation. I think it was one that I placed mostly on myself. My parents truly wanted me to be happy and to find my way. And if this was right for me, then to to thrive in that environment. 
one of the things that I think was difficult for them is that actually I was very good there. I'm very good at the, at the, at the sales. And again, it was conversational. Sitting down and helping a couple choose an engagement ring is something that I, th- I thoroughly enjoy to this day. Uh, it's uh, it's del- delight helping people who are at that transition of life because they're they're happy. You know, no one comes to buy an engagement ring on on a grumpy day. Uh, it's a, it's really a wonderful experience to be part of, and uh, and for me to to leave has been uh, something that that I I have worked on and continue to work on in myself to reconcile. Uh, who I am uh, now, with with the fact that I I didn't continue this business, and as a consequence of that, the the uh, the, the business has closed. Yeah, I loved your description of saying, um, you know, along the way, I discovered that I was actually a creative person, and I think that that's a common struggle that many people have. That we we have this perception of ourselves in many cases of, I'm not creative. That's someone else. But I think we all have a certain degree of this creativity inside us, and it sounds like it was quite a journey for you to discover that for yourself. Can you talk a little more uh, what that was like for you? Andy, it, it, I think that some people get that realization when they're young and they're at school. If the school environment and the home environment has a particular type of nurturance that says you're you're creative, on you go. I, I didn't. That wasn't mine. I, I had my head down. I was avoiding bullying and being teased, and uh, I was young for my class, and I was really just trying to keep my head above water. So it was survival, 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 and and because of that, I, my you know creativity comes further down the the list of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Uh, I. Uh, it was in my thirties that, and during one of the one of the trainings at a healing school, that that we were encouraged to live with the attitude of an of an artist, and it didn't matter what our medium was, but uh, just to set up some vision for a project for ourselves, and once a year we would have this opportunity to present it, and uh, it was a little bit like a junior school I stood fit for adults where uh, no matter what you presented or how you presented, everybody clapped and cheered and, and supported you and, and, and raved about how brilliant your creation was. And, uh, you know, that, that was the nourishment that I needed to wake this up and to go, wow, uh, this, what an amazing thing. The world really responds to me when I create something. And, you know, whilst we're on the subject, this is exactly what the Poem Catcher Project is about. This is, you know, me on a street going, would you like to write a poem for me? And and having people go through that whole that whole internal response of, eh, oh, no, I, I can't do that. I'm, I'm not creative or I haven't written a poem in years. And me just going, yeah, but here's the invitation. Are you sure you wouldn't like to have a go? And watching what happens to the people who cross that threshold is extraordinary. I had people at the World Domination Summit uh, uh, writing poems. Someone who someone said uh, she hasn't written a poem in 10 years. There was a boyfriend and girlfriend there, and the girlfriend said to me, I've been dating him for three years, and he's never written a poem in those three years, and he wrote you 16 poems. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, isn't that amazing? Can you feel the spark of vitality there? That's what I live for. That's so amazing for me to see other people do. Why do you think that is in this Poem Catcher project? Why is it that people respond 
in in that way. I haven't written a poem in 10 years and all of a sudden I'm writing 16. What is it about that invitation that unlocks that for people? Uh, look, some of it some of that is is uh, a resonant spark that comes out of my uh, quirkiness and invitation and the the kind of unexpectedness of being asked to write a poem in the place where I ask them. And and it it's if you remember being at, at junior school, teachers gave you instructions like, and if a teacher said we'd like to write a poem, they would you you just do it because that's what you have to do. that's not what you have to do, but it's also what everybody else in the class is doing. Uh, and I experience that still when I go in and do poem catcher with kids, they they write instantaneously and they add all sorts of extra detail like little pictures and when we did a book of mouse poems, I've got a hundred and fifteen poems in in 20 minutes it was it was just a flood and uh, with adults we've got to come back to that um, slightly off guard moment of oh what the hell I'll just do it and and see what happens uh, often often poets amaze them I call them poets I think everybody's a poet but people who've just written this first poem they amaze themselves because they realize how much fun they had and then quite often they get very shy about reading a poem. Oh, you know, do you want to read the poem before you put it in my net? And they're like, oh, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe. Okay, I will. And then in the act of reading it, there's this whole second wave of like performance uh, in a subtle way. And, and they hear their own creative talent being let loose in the world and usually somebody else has, has gathered to listen and there's thunderous applause and everybody's loving it and it's like the spark of of vitality just just brings smile to everybody's faces in that moment i love the name too poem catcher and it's interesting the, the very first guest that i had on congruent life was an author by the name of brian doyle and he described himself as a story catcher story catcher and now you're poem catcher nice Maybe talk a little bit about what does that name mean to you? Well, firstly, it emerged on, on the very first day that I sat down on a piece of cardboard, put out my journal and a hat and begged for poetry. I didn't have a name for what I was doing. I was just doing it. And the next morning I woke up and I thought to myself, oh, I'm off, I'm off poem catching again. And I went, wow, poem catching. That's cool. Let's see if anyone owns the domain. I want that. <laughs> and, uh, and straight away, I grabbed it before the, before the day was out. There is the butterfly catching net became uh, the perfect symbol for poem catching when I went down to Wimbledon and I queued and camped with, with people who were waiting to get into Wimbledon tennis tournament and uh, and I was in my kilt with this butterfly catching net. And, you know, poems are light and they drift in the ether like, like butterflies. And they're often there and not quite seen. And, and uh, you know, the net and the catching part of it, I think, is, 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 uh, is, is just to me so obvious. I, I, you know, whilst, whilst Wimbledon's coming up, can I, can I share with you one of the donated poems that I caught down there? Yes, Absolutely. Okay, this is called 1978 Revisited. It's written by someone called Haley Katara. Missing the headbands and shorty shorts, grainy TVs broadcasting grassy courts, 
tall kneed socks and wooden rackets, Sergio Valente stripy jackets, hoping a bad call will make you crack and unleash the bratty Johnny Mac. Isn't that great? That is great. Absolutely. Thanks to Haley. Yeah. Yeah. So we have these underlying themes of, of creativity swirling all around this. What kind of advice would you give to people who are maybe wrestling with, I'm not creative. How, how can I untap this creativity that's locked within myself? That's a great question and so important. And it's my belief that we have to let the first spark of creativity live free. And when I say live free, what I mean is to not edit it. So often when uh, I've been on a, a writer's workshop, the encouragement is just to write, not even, not even correct the spelling. Just type, 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 type. Don't worry if the paragraph structure is wrong. Don't worry if the formatting is wrong. Don't worry if the thoughts don't uh, uh, cling together immediately. Just write. And let that land at the end, press a full stop, close the, the, the computer, and, and don't do the editing for it for at least a day. Because what happens when in that, in that day is so important, or in that gap, it's the, there's, a, there's a second or third thought. Our, our, our creative vision that we have is usually very um, enfolded on itself. Uh, and it needs some unfolding, like a like a flower opening, and for that that unfolding to happen, we have to allow it to be. You know, first step is to meet meet with our vision in its kind of folded up state, and to put that down, and to know that it'll then become something else. But but only if we let the first part of it live. We've been talking mostly about poem catching, but that's not really the primary form of creative expression for you in your life right now. No. What kinds of things are you up to? Right on the headline at the moment is uh, four children's books that are ready for the world. Andy, they're just like, they're ready, they're here, I'm holding them. They're, they're, uh, there's a, a lovely uh, a range, I'll give you the names, The Fish Who Nearly Drowned in His Search for Water. The bee who couldn't choose his flower, the tree of goodness, and a little light. And so, so I'm not sure what you get from that, but exactly that fish who nearly drowned in his search for water is exactly that. You can hear that there's this adventure of uh, a fish who goes out seeking for something that's so close to him he can't even can't even see it's there. And I've loved working with an illustrator to help my um, my poetic rhyming children's story come to life in a visual way and it lets me also be i guess my archetypal director which uh, i'm i'm good at and i like to to practice and then work with the team a little bit more and these are shortly going off to the frankfurt book fair uh, in order to see if they can find their home in the world and and be distributed globally and of course, sell millions, but n not because of the selling, but more because the, the light and the message and the playfulness of it is something that I think uh, four-year-olds and the parents who read to four-year-olds can all enjoy.
That's excellent. Best of luck with that. And I hope that things go well in Frankfurt with that. That's pretty exciting. Very. So, Andrew, the purpose of this show, the overall theme of, of what we talk about here is authenticity. And that's why I wanted to talk with you, in fact, was that you seem to exude that in the creative projects that you're working on and that you're expressing into the world. So in the context of everything that we've been talking about, about creativity and poem catching and children's books, what does living authentically or congruently mean to you? Andy, I'd like to respond to that in the context of some of the men's work that I've been involved with. Fantastic. And and I, I've engaged in an organization called the Mankind Project. It, it operates in many countries around the world. And during the, the course of the last eight years, I've, I've sat in a circle of men um, every two weeks. And one of the things that we, we learned along the way and I picked up on is, is, is what's called a mission. And my personal mission is to co-create a joyful world and to do that by singing, da- singing dancing, and playing. And... The thing about mission is it's, it's, it's not a goal that you work towards and you achieve it and you tick it off and go, I've done that. It's something that I get to live into uh, on a daily basis. And because I've got this reference point and I've, I've held this, this has been my, my mission statement for, uh, for eight years now. And it helps me decide when I wake up in the morning, how I spend my time and what I'm going to do. Because I, I sincerely want a joyful world. And ironically, although you might not tell, I'm a very serious person. And my seriousness can get entirely on top of me. And it can squeeze the, the fun and the life out of, out, out of my, my day and out of my relationships and out of my work and uh, and when that happens, it's you know, it's it, life's not so much fun for me. Mm. So I, I I get to to reference my daily actions against a mission I've chosen for myself, and that to me is the the definition of integrity and um, authenticity. It's am I am I living the life I want, creating the world that I'd like to create. That's great. Thank you. I love the co-create a joyful world. That's that's a beautiful statement. Thank you. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's <laughs> got to do it. Might as well be <laughs> us. Why right? not me? Yeah. yeah isn't that a, isn't that a worthy mission? You know, for 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 a life's quest. And like, if 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 that's all I do in this lifetime is co-create a joyful world, has it been worth being here? Yeah, mm. I think so. So what's next for you, Andrew? What other exciting projects do you have in your in your vision? Andy, the big piece that's coming up for me now is, is a, a relocation of country. I, I was successful in winning a green the green card lottery, and will be coming to live in the U.S. So it's it's a huge move, you know. You know, Cape Town has been home for forty years, and uh, with a, a brief period in Scotland, and I'm. I'm packing all that up and coming to the U.S. So it's it's a bit of an unknown for me, but I am I am familiar with entering the unknown and uh, being uh, blessed with the, the 
and the freedom to to move. I'm sure I'm going to use the the little fish to guide the way and meet with people, talk about the books in the states, uh, see what what the needs are in America. Because I'm so much also driven by by service. It gives me a great great joy when I'm in service, and uh, I'm I'm looking for that. I'm I'm calling forward an opportunity to be in. Uh, in service and to live joyfully in the States. So how can our listeners engage with you and your work and get in contact with you? Well, that's easily done in a couple of ways. If uh, anyone's enthusiastic to write a poem, they very, I love poems, as you hear. Uh, poemcatcher.com is a great place to see the, the books of donated poems from a variety of events, Wimbledon, The Royal Wedding, uh, the original Quake Haiti books. Uh, if they're wanting to follow my children's books and find out about uh, the fish who nearly drowned in his search for water, then my website is on a South African domain, which is andrewnewman.co.za. Do you say Z or Z? <laughs> in the US, it's usually Z, but I think everyone knows what Z means. Z-O-Z-A. AndrewNewman.ca.ca, and uh, you can submit poetry online. I love. I, I kind of wondering how long I'm going to have to go out poem catching in the world before I start receiving a poem a day, and uh, from different people that 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 will just delight me to have fresh poetry arriving every day without uh, as a consequence of work that I did previously. Nice. Well, let's make it an invitation to a Congruent Life listeners to submit poetry at the poemcatcher.com website. Go for it. Yeah. Andrew, is there a final thought that you'd like to leave our listeners with about authenticity or living congruently? Yes. Take the word try out of your vocabulary. Either do it or don't. And enjoy yourself in the process. When you're deeply engaged and give something 100%, whether it inverted commas works or doesn't work, you draw closer to that authentic self that you're seeking. Well, Andrew Newman, I'm delighted that our paths have crossed in this way. Thanks for the work that you're doing in the world. Thanks for catching and sharing these poems. And uh, best of luck on your transition to the United States and with your children's books. Thank you very much, Andy. It's been a great pleasure. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Andrew Newman. The show notes for this episode are at acongruentlife.net slash 57 or acongruentlife.net slash Newman, which is N-E-W-M-A-N. I really appreciate your continued support of the show. It's really gratifying to me that you're finding these conversations inspiring and supportive. Thanks to William Conrad for the latest five-star review of A Congruent Life on iTunes. If you would, as Bill did, please take a quick moment to leave a review for the show at acongruentlife.net slash iTunes or acongruentlife.net slash Stitcher. Thanks so much. Thanks again for listening to and supporting A Congruent Life. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to A Congruent Life. For more, please visit us on the web at acongruentlife.net. Do you have feedback about the show or suggestions for future guests? Please contact us through the website or send an email to feedback at acongruentlife.net. See you next time.